0: Good. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 55 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we're going to discuss the new hirings in the Premier League, a new signing in the Premier League, and Manchester City's thrashing against Arsenal and much more. To start things off, before we start off with the big game, um, a couple big news in terms of hirings for some Premier League clubs, especially with Arsenal and Everton. It seems Arsenal are really close to basically Mikel Arteta being their new head coach. Um, Arsenal will have to pay, I believe, a $2.1 million compensation fee to Manchester City for basically stealing their assistant coach in the middle of the season. But it looks like Arsenal have wrapped up their head coaching process after basically struggling really badly against uh, when Freddie Lindbergh has been the interim manager. Then Everton has not been confirmed, but it looks like from multiple, multiple sources, a lot of people have been confirming this, that Carlo Ancelotti will be their new head coach. Um, If you didn't know, Ancelotti was sacked by Napoli, I believe, a week and a half ago. So now he's going to be back in the Premier League with the club. But... Tyler, uh, what is your initial reactions? Uh, I guess we'll start off with Arsenal, with Mikel Arteta basically being the new head coach, which I think they needed to bring a permanent head coach in because Freddie Lundberg was struggling badly to be the interim head coach right now.
1: Yeah, Freddie Lundberg was definitely not ready for this job. He just kind of got put in and he's like, man, let's just see what happens. And then right now (laughs) they're just in pure chaos mode. Mm -hmm. But Mikel Arteta, this is very interesting move because the former Arsenal and Everton man he had he had options he was like, <laughs> all right do I go to potentially Everton do I go to Arsenal or maybe even stay at Man City because you know once Pep Guardiola leaves it's like maybe they'll hire him up from yeah. there but-
0: I, I I remember with the episode with Eric Krakow, he did mention that a lot of reports said that uh, Arteta could be lined up to take over Manchester City's um, head coaching position once if Pep Guardiola did leave, but seems like Arteta seemed like this was the perfect opportunity for him to leave and start his venture as head coach somewhere else.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see what kind of style Arteta is going to bring to Arsenal because right now, Arsenal, they're, they're just literally, as we've been saying, individuals, 11 players. Yeah, just 11 individuals, not really one team, mm-hmm. whenever they are set up for a match. So I'm wondering if Arteta's is going to have that kind of setup that Pep has because mm-hmm. he's been his assistant coach for several seasons now. So he's learned literally from Pep how to really tinker with the team, how to set up tactics, what kind of players mm-hmm. to really look out for to make this kind of tactic work out. So it'll be interesting to see what he makes of yep. it and potentially how he changes up the team, because now for sure he's going to have to revamp the team because yep. the team's not working. And it's like what, what do we got to do? He's like we probably got to get rid of Ozil. Probably have to get rid of some certain other players mm-hmm. like Davi Luis. I was, was. like I was, <laughs> like, was going to ask yeah. that
0: question in just a little bit, but my only concern here is I like that they ha- are in the process of basically finally hiring a new coach, but under you know being under Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola's mantra has always been attack, attack, attack. Play with the ball, not really pay too much attention to you know basically setting up shop and defending. The biggest problem with Arsenal right now, obviously they don't they don't play as a team, but they leak in too many goals, and their defense has been shambolic for probably three seasons now, and maybe even further than that. Under the last couple years of Wenger, the defense just has never been good. Um, you know, under Mikel Arteta, I'm just curious to see if they go with the Pep Guardiola philosophy of attack, 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 and you know, basically kind of neglecting the defense. And I think right now Arsenal need to fix the defense first and then move forward. But I'm curious to see if Arteta goes for the um, playing with the ball and playing more with possession. Um, how do you think Arteta would set up his side if once he's confirmed as Arsenal's head coach?
1: Mm, he would probably it's a little hard to say because right now i feel like arsenal managers are very influenced by social media to who for who to play <laughs> because it's like man why isn't pepe playing why isn't ozil playing why is Aubameyang playing left wing instead of strikers? like little things like that so i wonder if he's going to get influenced by those same things cuz like we're i mean we're even doing like we're even part of like the issue where it's like man why aren't they playing the three best players why aren't they playing like lacazette Aubameyang, and pepe and, and then finally, when Unai Emery did that, they got some, some results, but they still didn't get wins. Like they got a few draws and then still lost occasionally. So it's like, it, it's up to Arteta to really figure out what the best formation is and what the best tactics are with the player he has currently, rather than try to force players that he has into maybe tactics he would have in mind. I think that's the way to go. Like how uh, Solskjaer did when he first went into United, he just looked at a team and was like, all right, this is what we have. Let This is probably the best way to set up the team based on the players we have. And, you know, he got results from that. But now United is kind of reshaping their ideas and their tactics to really formulate to more like what Solskjaer wants, which is why it's a little bit different now. But mm-hmm. I think Arteta is going to have to just use what he has now, which will be interesting because so far – We've seen Lundberg bring Xhaka back, and we, him, you, you know, you he he's brought on like so many just random
0: players off the bench mm-hmm. and just off anywhere, really. He, like, there's no consistency in his lineup.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna have to see what uh, Arteta sees at training and what he really would bring out from these players, because like certain players now, like Martinelli, he is one of those players. He like during good. that game, yeah, he looks good. So I wonder if Arteta is gonna see the same thing, or maybe mm-hmm. he'll drop him back on the bench and then bring out another player. But yep. I, I, I think It's I, really going to depend.
0: As a neutral, I'm a big fan of Mar- Martinelli. I think he just provides a lot more and he just gives heart. He gives some heart to this Arsenal team that's been lacking. You know, you have a lot of these big name players that have been signed for big money, uh, yet you see a guy, a little, you know, a kid coming up the ranks, Um, you know, a young kid basically giving his all to play, basically play as a senior level for Arsenal football clubs. I think he's he's really impressed me during this, you know, time of, you know, transition for Arsenal. But, you know, talking about their game over the weekend where they got thrashed by Manchester City 3-0, a City team that needed to bounce back after getting defeated by Manchester United. They looked a million times better than Arsenal. They just looked on a whole nother level. This honestly looked like uh, Manchester City was playing a team that was facing relegation. And that is such an embarrassing thing to, you know, put hand in hand with Arsenal but Arsenal were nowhere near Manchester City this game they couldn't they were never on the ball Um, they were second to pretty much everything and City just cut through them like some not hot knife through butter basically it was so easy uh, the way City were able to um, play their way out the back and just play their way um, into the goal and Kevin De Bruyne should have had a hat trick I mean he was man of the match probably the Probably one of the greatest midfield performances I've seen from a midfielder in a long time. Like that was incredible. Some of the goals he scored and some of the chances he created. But all props to City there. Um and it kind of brings me the question: what players need to get sold for Arsenal? I, I have a list right now. I think Meziroso, probably Lacazette, um, probably David Luis, Socrates, um, Xhaka, Um you know, I'm not completely sold on Pepe right now because he just, you know, whenever he does, he shows moments where he's really good. I think it's a little too hyperbolic to sell him right now, but he needs to show me more. Um, and those are just a couple of players I have in mind that Arsenal need to get rid of if they want to transition out of this, you know, this run and like, you know, being in the depths of darkness so much and, you know, kind of transitioning more into a positive, more um, positive outlook for their season.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And honestly, I feel like it's easier to say who should they keep because there's more players. I feel like they need to go mm-hmm. than they need to really bring in. So right now, the key players that I would say Arsenal need to kind of build a team around, which would be a little bit easier rather than me saying it's like, all right, this guy's got to go. This is <laughs> a long list. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. but like Brent Leno, yeah, well, he's he needs been MVP, a better MVP of their season. Yeah, he's literally MVP because. He has the most say's currently in the Premier League because they're, his defensive line in front of him is horrible. Is not, horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. They're not doing him any favors. They're making him look like a fool at some points. But literally without Burt Lano, they'd be conceding way more goals. Mm-hmm. So i definitely keep Lano. Bellerin, I feel like he is a good leader to have in the team think, he's been there. I think they need once. to get
0: a backup right back though because he, he just gets injured too much.
1: Mm-hmm. And Maitland-Niles I don't think is the move yeah. because even Maitland-Niles is not like playing right back. And it kind of shows he's like, man, he's not very motivated to be in that position, mm-hmm. but he's a very versatile player. So I'd still keep Maitland Niles in particular on the team, mm-hmm. but like certain players like Callum Chambers hasn't really proved it, proved himself. Exactly. I was going to say exactly that because he's one of those players that we were highlighting saying, Hey, why isn't Callum Chambers playing over Dava Luis or Socrates? Because he's one of those players that could be that big player that Arsenal was looking for. And they've kept him for so long. They've trained him, and kind of, nourished him into like this kind of or nurtured him just to be this kind of player that he is now but even then he's still struggling there's so many mistakes he made especially during this man city game I'm like I don't know if he's really the big player that they need Mm -hmm. if anything they just need to overhaul all their center backs um I I
0: I definitely agree with that you know going into the midfield who do you think should they build around the midfield I like Torreira
1: I like her a lot because he's one of those players that will do all the dirty work. He's mm-hmm. kind of like Angolo Conte esque where yeah. he'll basically run around the entire game. He has high a lot stem, of energy, you know, a lot of energy. And like, that's something you need. Like every team needs one of those players. Like even Liverpool have that in Henderson, mm-hmm. but he's no, he's not the best finisher. He's just literally that kind of player who is a pure box box center mid who mm-hmm. will steal the ball away, you know, find the right pass. But He's not really going to be there to finish. He, yeah. he did attempt a couple of long shots during <laughs> this game, but you know, just Rosie right there. It's, it's a little tricky though, because I like Torreira a lot, but also Guendouzi. He is a player when paired alongside Torreira, there's not much maturity there where there's not much leadership as well, where it's like, they're both kind of young players that don't really know what to do at some points. And that kind of shows. And for those two players to be in that kind of position, like the main anchors of the team, I feel like there needs to be a veteran there. Someone who has that kind of experience, someone like, you know, back in the days, like Scheinsteiger was there for Bayern Munich. Or right now you see Tony Cruz there for uh, Real Madrid, like Modric as well. So they need some kind of veteran there to really kind of guide the way Mm -hmm. to really show that, hey, it's like, hey, you should stand here, you know, guard this pass. Hey, you stand here, you know be they'll be they'll open up space for someone else to run through you yeah things like that and, and I, I feel like right now they're just both like uh we'll just do the best we can
0: <laughs> no I I agree because you look at all the best clubs they have like a center defensive mid that just sits there you know with Fabinho at Liverpool Casemiro at Real Madrid Busquets at Barcelona I mean you could look look down the list like pretty much every good club right now has a pure like just a midfield that just sits there and directs traffic where it needs to go basically you're your second leader, you know, compared to your center back, he's your second guy that's there, that's always there. And I think Arsenal have been longing for that for a long time. I think Torreira could play that if he was maybe a couple inches taller and just a little bit more beefier, <laughs> but he obviously can't change his physical stature. I think if they had like a Matic-esque, you know, physique, yeah, physicality, like person in there um, that could do the job, I think that would help out their midfielder, help out their midfield a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's not Jaka. yeah oh, um, <laughs> he's not the guy say that. he is uh he he's, doesn't do he's too slow needs.
0: he's way too slow
1: yeah especially for the Premier League right now where it's like it just keeps getting faster and faster mm-hmm. and faster I don't think Xhaka is the right move for that yeah and he also he's not very calm of a person like, yeah you
0: need a calm you need,
1: you need a it. calm person to play that role mm-hmm. so it, it's it's tricky because you know Guendouzi he's still very young too but if man, if he just had a little bit more experience, I feel like this pairing would be pretty good. It's just, it's just lacking experience right now, mm-hmm. and that's that's the hole that Arsenal find themselves in. Yeah. But you know, let's move on to the wingers, attackers. Who would you who would you keep?
0: If, if I were, if I was talking to some Arsenal fans. A lot of them are not sold on Lacazette, and I'm I'm not either. So I would keep Aubameyang, Marchinelli. Um, I'd still keep Pepe just for the fact that it's his first season in the Premier League. And I think he can, he's shown flashes that he can really do it. Um, And then Saka, I believe is their other winger. I would keep those Mm. as my primary um, attackers. I think Ozil pretty much ran his course at Arsenal and pretty much, I think at this point ran his course as a big time player at a big club now because you know, the, the, you know, all the stories that have been there, he pretty much disappears every time there's a big game. Now he doesn't like to do any of the dirty work and track back. And nowadays I feel like with the modern tactics, I feel like a lot of managers are asking all their players, even if they're big name players to track back and do some of the dirty work to help push their team forward. And Mesut Ozil no longer does that. And his type of role where you can just have a number 10, just sit there and dictate the play. I I think that, that type of role is disappearing now i feel like a lot of number 10s now need to be able to go back and help out the team and help out the dirty work defensively so they can get their you know creative stuff offensively so i think Erzo just doesn't do that anymore
1: mm-hmm. and also Elzo just plays at his own pace really mhm just he doesn't really up the tempo for the team he doesn't really bring it down he just plays at whatever pace he, he wants which yeah. is good because he's really good at doing that, but also for Arsenal, it's not really benefiting him. It's kind of like when Sanchez went to Manchester United. I feel he just kind of did his own thing whenever he got onto the pitch. He's like, "What is he? What? what do do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just wants to take everyone on." When the team mm-hmm. is winning, you know it looks good, but like right now, Arsenal are kind of in a hole, and it's not really helping them out of that. It's just kind of digging them farther in. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the players, I would keep. I would keep actually the the same players you mentioned. And Lacazette, he was one player I was on the fence about. I was like, mm. I don't know. Because he also has a history of injuries I as don't well. Know. I think like, I know everyone rates his, like a lot of people when he signed him, they
0: were like, oh my gosh, this guy's like a FIFA legend. He's so fast. He can mm-hmm. finish. He's got the pace. But I don't know, watching him in real life, like he's good, but he's not like A plus quality striker. I feel like Yang is miles ahead of him in terms of strikers. And if you were to rate Premier League strikers, I would honestly put Firmino ahead of, um Lacazette just based off pure consistency um, I, I know Lacazette is still better than most Premier League strikers but I mean I think I would take Jesus and Sergio Aguero over Lacazette and I would take obviously I would take Harry Kane Firmino above um, Lacazette as well
1: yeah I'd say right now after Lacazette joined Arsenal he definitely did take a bit of a dip because Going from Liga to the Premier League it's a huge difference, and mm-hmm. it kind of showed because during his first few it's games, three seasons he only, now, three yeah.
0: seasons he's been at the club,
1: I, it, it it still feels like he's new. At some points, mm-hmm. so it's like man, it's just, still trying to get used to it. But yeah, like during this first season, there are games where like he would score in the first few because of like you know a tap in or you know one one touch shot things like that. But it was never that kind of player where he'd make his own chances. I feel like. You really had to really feed him, and it was he struggled at times, and he's still struggling. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of rough for Arsenal because they can't just get rid of him. They spent so much money on him, mm-hmm. and they expected a re- they expected a return, but you know he's not really doing anything anything that would really help Arsenal get pushed into the top four. I feel like they need to find yeah, as you've been mentioning, a more consistent striker in terms of fitness as well, because like literally last weekend he he was not in the starting 11 mm-hmm. and he needs to find the goals way more often like a bombing level consistency where you're challenging for the golden boot yeah but you know Lacazette is not doing that
0: he's not I forgot to mention I'd keep Martinelli as well he's been fantastic
1: yeah you mentioned and okay. I, I like Martinelli not a lot because like even during this Man City game during the first 45 seconds I was like oh he man had a he had a chance and unfortunately he didn't finish but I mean, there's been times when Arsenal needed that spark this season, and he's been that guy. He's mm-hmm. either off the bench or maybe in the 70th minute after starting. He is that guy. So, oh, yeah. there's some hope in him. <laughs> he's still yeah. also very young.
0: <laughs> no, I I think uh, as we as we spend so much time talking about Arsenal, there are so many problems at this club that it just needs a big, um, just a big change up. I think it re- really relates to the Manchester United. Last season, just the amount of players and kind of dead wood that have just been sitting at the club for so long um, just needs a completely cultural reboot and everything. Um, I think Arsenal really need that right now. But um, moving on to Everton, um, Everton will be looking for or hopefully be announcing their new boss, Carlo Ancelotti. Um, Duncan Ferguson, Everton released a statement that he will be coaching the Arsenal game this weekend. But all the reports i've been seeing ancelotti will pretty much be the new manager for everton kind of has the same formula that everton has been signing with their players a lot of players that they sign are these once once in of a you know at one point they were considered supposed to be like the next ronaldo or messi and then have not lived up to their potential so everton just scoop in and sign them hoping they could get a glimpse of their old form carlo ancelotti i would say kind of fits that mold again because obviously he's a great manager he's won many many championships won He's achieved many great things in the club level, but you have to say his resume and CV has taken a hit these past couple of years. Obviously, getting sacked by Bayern, now getting sacked by Napoli, seems like a manager that's kind of lost his magic touch. Um, I don't know if you agree with me on that one, Tyler.
1: I, it's it's a little difficult because he's been a manager that's managed such great teams as well. Like, mm-hmm. the, for example, Real Madrid. I, I, Real Madrid, the big AC Milan team in 2005, then went to the Champions League against Liverpool. Like, that was a very distinct, like, one of the first times I remember seeing him there. And then also, of course, as you mentioned, Byron Munich. So, and also Chelsea. Like, that was yep. a very brief yeah. stint, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that. But he knows how to work with big teams and big players and you know egos as well so I was a little surprised that he's at Everton like he I feel like also had the option potentially to go to Arsenal as well and Arsenal in my opinion is a bigger club than Everton with one of like the biggest fan bases or in terms of Arsenal so to handle a job like that I feel like that's where Carlo Ancelotti was going to go to, but it, it kind of flipped where Marquette, uh, Mikel Arteta went to Arsenal and then Carlo Ancelotti went to Everton. So it was a very luxury thing for Everton to have. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I feel like you have to think. I, I, it's like, is it that situation where it's like the managers like the players? Yeah. <laughs> where no, it's like,
0: I, I honestly, like, the more I think about it, I feel like it's one of those like maybe Ancelotti just didn't have any other options. I feel like a lot of these bigger clubs, like, they probably looked at him like, You know, Bayern Munich didn't really do that well. Napoli, they sacked him, not doing too well in the Serie A right now. I feel like it was one of those where they just kind of realized, like, you know, if you're a really big club, is this a guy even worth chasing? And I feel like it was sort of a Rafa Benitez situation where he just maybe is taking a job to kind of um, fix his resume a little bit or, you know, to get some recognition back into his name and make him um, seem to the public that he's a good manager again. Hmm.
1: So to that point, I'm also curious. What do you think are Everton's like expectations of Carlo Ancelotti? Like, what kind of expectations do you think he should bring to, like, maybe shape the team to be like, say, a top eight team, top six team? You know, reshape the team to have the next big superstars instead of just all these potential players that just never fulfilled those. I honestly think they just need to shoot for top eight because, I mean it's every season we
0: see with Everton every summer they sign so many players they're like wow they have so many good players how are they not in the top six or top eight um but they always struggle each year and I feel like hiring Encelotti is only gonna hype up the fan base for Everton even more because they're like oh, we have a you know a Champions League Champions League manager a manager that's managed so many great clubs like what can he bring to us um to be honest, I I don't know what to expect because I think it's going to take some time for him uh to get used to the quality of players. I am not trying to diss Everton here, but you I mean you're, you're you managed Bayern Munich, you managed Napoli, uh some of the best, you know, attackers, midfielders, defenders out there and then you're going to Everton who are probably playing with, you know, second-grade um, quality players. I mean, they have some quality with Richarlison, um, you know, Moise Keane is dealing with the situation right there, but they have quality there, but Compared to Bayern Munich, Napoli, it's going to be a much harder task, I think, for him to succeed here because he can't just rely on a big money budget, a big war chest to just go buy out anyone he wants.
1: Mm-hmm. He's really going to have to develop the players he has because mm-hmm. he has a lot of those players that have the potential, but it just hasn't fulfilled them. But mm-hmm. speaking of that, this is kind of related to the game we had this past weekend against Manchester United. Yep. We saw Duncan Ferguson, the current interim manager for Everton. You know, he's getting results. He's getting... The draw he against... in the United League United. Cup, though. This, he, did... Uh,
0: it, well, he did lose in penalties to Leicester City in the League Cup, which is a big, big defeat for Everton. I feel like that would have been a huge boost to the, the uh, Toffee fans if they would have uh, beaten Leicester and got advanced to the semifinals of the um, uh, Carabao Cup. It's true.
1: But at least Leighton Baines scored a banger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Made into the top 10 with Sports Center. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a great goal. So that at work, but... <laughs> But there was one questionable thing that Duncan Ferguson did this past game against Manchester United, and is that he subbed in Moise Keane and then eighteen minutes later he subbed him off. And I was wondering, what do you what what do you take about that? I was I thought that was a little weird when I saw that. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I definitely would not have done that to like, yep. such a young player, like psychologically mm-hmm. now, he's just gonna be like, Man, that's just all my head, because like the entire world saw that. It wasn't no. like Everton versus like Norwich. It was like Everton versus Manchester United. So on the like one of the biggest stages, like he basically got humiliated.
0: Oh yeah, and done not mention Moisheen has pretty much been in and out of the squad. Um, a lot of people have been saying that he has some, um, I'm trying to say like personality issues. Like he's a he's a little bit, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but he just doesn't really you know work well with the managers. He has has some has an attitude. That's what I'm trying to say in training and such, but. For to to bring someone on 18 minutes in in the second half and just to sub them off is completely astonishing. I don't I don't agree with that at all. That's horrible man management. Um, and basically Ferguson's um claim was that he was just trying to waste time. But at that point, why didn't you just bring off Rasharlison or one of your other attackers that have been on the field for pretty much the entirety of the game? Um, there's definitely something going on there. I feel like Ferguson was trying to set an example, but to me if you do that you lost the locker room like you literally lost Moise Keane there like Moise Keane cannot trust you as a manager anymore um because there was no any type of like you know when he was subbed off there was no consoling by Ferguson basically Ferguson let Moise Keane run off to the locker room and Moise Keane was upset visibly upset um and I feel like if you're a player playing for Ferguson how can you really trust him knowing that he can just pull someone off like that and just act so harshly Um, To another player like that. It was horrible man management by Duncan Ferguson. Mm
1: -hmm. Like, Ferguson definitely should have said something as Moise King came off. But the fact that he also, like, disregarded him is like, all right. Like, just like another, like, pawn to his, like, plan to get a result against Manchester United. It's like, come on, man. It's like, these guys are human, too. Mm -hmm. So, that was... That was just bizarre to see for me. So, and to me, that that probably I'm, cost him
0: like a chance to be the full time manager at Everton. Yeah,
1: that was very not the most mature and mm-hmm. experienced kind of move. I would feel, and also, I'm just curious to see now how Moyes Keane really reacts to this. Where whether you know maybe this will be a spark for him to really show the managers like, hey, like I know you, you really did to me, but I'm gonna show that was a mistake, and then you know really bounce it back. But I honestly think more likely is gonna kind of put him into a bit of a void where he's gonna be struggling to really find some form because like that's just gonna be in his head now.
0: Mm-hmm. Like and,
1: as you've been saying, it's like yeah.
0: And Everton invests a lot of money. In it. I think it was like twenty-seven and a half million or something like that they paid for him um, from Juve. Mm-hmm. and he's a young player that has a lot of talent, but has just not done well at Everton. I feel so bad for him because um, he's got a lot of talent there. Just needs a better a better club and a better place to nurture his talents, but. Going going back to this game uh, did finish as a draw United after beating Spurs and City couldn't capitalize with the momentum and ended up drawing in this game Mason Greenwood scoring the finisher I mean scoring the goal with a great finish, but uh, sort of the same problem that's been plaguing United this entire season when they're at home against a lower league opposition or lower, you know, a lower tier team um when they decide the other team decides to sit back they don't have enough creative um prowess to you know really unlock the goal and unlock the defense to get that goal um that's why they uh, basically if you look through united twitter and i I'll say this too they need a attacking midfielder or they need a creative midfielder in there cuz McTominay and Fred work really well when there's a big opposition they're facing when they just have to all they have to do is basically stop the passes and stop the balls and then just basically play a ball out to one of their wingers but when it comes to actually creating chances they struggle in that front because they aren't the most creative midfielders they're mostly there just to block the attacks and then for Dan James I'll point him out I kind of want to see more from him as a United fan I think he's so good against the big teams when he can play on the counterattack because he's so pacey and he can just run at defenders however when it is a block uh, you know a uh, defense has set a blockade he can't really use his pace to his advantage um so I want to see him get a little bit better in terms of linking up with more one-two play developing some skills so he can beat an opponent um on the wing and you know cross a ball in or get a good consistent cross in I think that's probably his next step of development because right now he just isn't offering that and I just want to see more from Marcial I think Marcial at times can be pretty inconsistent but you know, when he's on his game, he's so talented and he's so deadly in front of goal because he's got the skills and he's got the close control that, you know, that's really great to see, but he just isn't consistent enough for me at least. And then Marcus Rashford has been in some fine form, just a little bit off in this game, but I would like to see Mason Greenwood get a little bit more chances too, because the kid is really special. I mean, if you ever watch his finishes, like he can hit you from the left, right. He's got a great, he's got just a great two two feet on him because he's just so deadly from either foot. So, I want to see more Mason Greenwood, but I think you know over over this type of day, December month and the month of November, they've been heavily linked to Erling uh, Holland, the Arby's, uh, the Salzburg player, the attacker um, for Salzburg, who's been lighting up the Champions League. I think he'll be a great addition to United if they do buy him. It seems like in all reports that he probably is going to go to United because a lot of reporters have asked Solskjaer about it, and he's chuckled at the um opportunity of seeing him and apparently there's been reports Solshar has actually flown out there to meet with him so hopefully that deal could actually get done because I think it'll be a huge boost um attacking wise for United
1: that'd be that Norwegian connection between Holland and (laughs) Solskjaer right there so oh yeah that'd be perfect actually and that'd be a big spark to the United attack because it's like oh this is something that would get people a little bit interested into United again because you know during the summer It was just like, oh, we bought a center back. Oh, we bought a right back. It's not really something. We've been been, good. We've been great. They've been great, but it's also like not very exciting Mm -hmm. signings. It's just like, oh, like these are just signings you need, but it's not really going to really like rile up the crowd. But for Erling Holland, like this would be very interesting to see. It's like, oh, is he going to week in and week out get the goal? It's like, what's he going to do? Like, we don't know. Like, we don't know how he's going to really play on the big stage In the premier league week in week out Mm because like we've seen him do it in the champions league you seen them do it at the u20 world cup but you know League is a whole different game as as we've been staying with like lacazette but also i want to highlight is like as you're mentioning all these players at united it's like man you know who they're really missing paul Paul pogba Pogba. (laughs) like literally (laughs) paul pogba and luckily for united they don't have to go out and find a player that can fill that void. They have a player that has just been injured for so long.
0: Mm-hmm. And he look- hasn't played He hasn't played a game since September. I think the last game he played was that Arsenal match. Or, oh my gosh. Or the week after the Arsenal game. And that's all the way in, back in September. But he actually got – he was returning from fitness, you know, from his ankle injury. He went to his brother's wedding, got sick at the wedding, and is still going to be out. Solskjaer is still hopeful that he's going to come back, but – i don't know i i've seen so many reports this i i really don't know what to believe at this point because there's just so many reports out there that he isn't showing any signs that he wants to come back other reports have just been saying you know throughout his entire united tenure that he wants to leave but i i i honestly just don't know i i really don't know when he'll come back um Solskjaer says he's hopeful he'll come back before the start of the new year but i really don't know at this point They
1: could really use him because Mm -hmm. he's one of those players, especially since he wouldn't have any defensive, real defensive duties with Fred and McTominay behind him. Mm -hmm. He'd be the ultimate spark plug. Yeah, exactly. He'd be the key for that attack. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's honestly all on the player to really have that desire. Because, I mean, you can tell when certain players just don't want to be on the team anymore and you put them in, like it's like it's really disastrous stuff. It can be kind of toxic. And also, it's just literally as if a player's just standing there. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, all right, what was he what's doing? I, I, I forgot, it was Coutinho
0: sort of like that when Barcelona were after him? And he basically, like, everyone kind of knew at one point, like he was just going to go to Barca. But like, it was just whenever the window was going to open up.
1: Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, I feel like Coutinho had his best stint at Liverpool during his last half. <laughs> of his final season when he's like all right it's time to go to liver or it's time to go to barcelona and then he had to really show up he's like all right this is it this is my last time this is like my farewell tour and then he's just like he just went ham and then mm-hmm. he got sold to barcelona but you know at barcelona he did he's still not doing too well actually no he's like he's Miami at <laughs> already yeah. so it's like there you go but i mean it was good because his form upped his price <laughs> that Barcelona paid. is like, all right, this guy might be yeah. a real deal. My,
0: my only thing is uh, if they do sell Pogba, I want to, even if we don't recruit the amount of money we spend for him, they just need to get like some sort of player swap coin where they at least get a quality midfielder in return. If he goes to Real Madrid, like give us at least two of those midfielders there for Paul Pogba and cash or, some, <laughs> or at least one because they, they cannot let Paul Pogba go just for money and not expect to buy someone in replacement for him. He's too good of a player to do that.
1: That's true. I agree. But
0: man, it's really up to the player to decide. I really, I really does. I really do hope he stays because there's, I feel like we we've seen in the past two games, I mean the past three games now with, you know, when they beat Spurs, they beat City, that sort of a blueprint is being, you know, set at the club now where they're starting to build something slowly and slowly to something, you know back to their normal selves um and hopefully you know maybe pop up we can see that and maybe get clinged on to it but i'm not going to blame him if he leaves because obviously when he did come he was obviously promised a lot of you know we're going to be back to our champions league cells we're going to be competing for champions league premier leagues that obviously didn't happen and i if, if i was a player i would feel kind of upset too that it, I really haven't. I'm like one of the best midfielders in the world yet. I'm not competing in the Champions League year in and year out. I'm not, you know, scoring a lot of goals. I'm not playing the best position. It's not been the rosiest of returns for Manchester United, for Paul Pogba at Manchester United, but hopefully he can see um, the tide is turning a little bit and he could stay. But You know, as a United fan, if I did see him leave, it would be heartbreaking. I might feel a little salty, but at the end of the day, I would understand because he is a human being and he wants what he wants, you know.
1: He is getting a lot of money, though, right now. Yeah,
0: (laughs) he is getting a lot of money. That's why a lot of fans are upset because you're getting paid a lot of money. Just play, you know, for whatever so months and get sold in the summer. But I don't know. He's a United. (laughs) (laughs) Go join his brother there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. But. You know, it, it was it was a sort of the result I expected for United, but kind of switch, switching over to Liverpool, they actually signed one of those Salzburg players we were talking about, uh Takumi Minamino. I hope he, I hope I said his name right.
1: Yes, he's um, perfect.
0: Yep. Uh Tyler mentioned that he's the first Japanese player in Liverpool have ever signed in the club history. He mm-hmm. now joins Minamino now joins um uh, is now the fifth Japanese player to play in the Premier League. Obviously the latest one was um, Shinji uh Shin, Kagawa. Shin, or no, Shin- yeah. Okazaki. Okazaki for and Leicester. Okasaki. Yep. <laughs> Okazaki um, fragment. <laughs> it's funny because the it's funny because those two guys won the Premier League titles. Obviously Kagawa, Manchester United, Okazaki with Leicester. Looks like Liverpool will probably win the title, so Minamino will probably get a title once he joins Liverpool on January first. But Tyler, is he is he a guy that's gonna take over like Shakiri's spot as like super sub or, you know, as um Divock Origi? or is he kind of a guy that needs to basically train and develop a lot more before he can even be considered a substitute for Liverpool.
1: I think he's more the replacement for Adam Lalana. Although okay. it, because there are reports that Lalana will be leaving this summer oh. because you know he's he's not in his prime anymore. He's like thirty one years old and he hasn't really been playing that much. Yeah.
0: I thought is Minamino isn't he more of a winger though? I thought Lalana was more of like a you know like your number ten type, you know box to box midfielder type thing.
1: Minamino, he can play at center attacking mid.
0: Okay,
1: he's very pacey. yes, yeah. that's, that's the difference between him and Lalana. Lalana's <laughs> very two footed. He's very creative of a player, but you know Lalana is literally, you you see him last season playing in the U twenty three matches and then getting into into fights <laughs> <laughs> because he just he just <laughs> lost it. So, I mean, he's he's going to leave. And then Minamino, we got him on a bargain yeah we got him for 7.2 million pounds. And for a player who was lighting it up also in the Champions League, like he's one of those players that behind Erling Holland you'd see Huang Hee-chan and then you'd see Minamino. And Minamino, he's one of those players that really impressed me. He he scored against Liverpool. Yeah, he man. saw stuff
0: van Dijk, right?
1: <laughs> I was like, what the deuce? No, that was, that was Huang Hee-chan. Okay. But... I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's actually legit!" And also, I'm a fan of the Japanese national team hey, hey. because <laughs> you have their jersey. You no, know, I do have their jersey, <laughs> and I gotta support an Asian team. Yeah. I gotta represent. And Kiske Honda is one of my favorite players of all time, hey, so sure hey, that's how hey. I got into that Kiske Honda. But you know, there hasn't been a new Japanese player in a long time, so this is this is huge. Mm-hmm. And Minamino's been one of those very exciting players. I don't think he's a player that I'd immediately start. Potentially even sub as well. Like he's definitely a player that's going to have to learn Klopp's ways, the gang and press, really how this team is set up because it's going to be a lot different from Salzburg. Mm-hmm. But At the same time, you know, Sadio Mane he was also on Salzburg at one point, point. Yeah. and he learned pretty quickly to adapt to the system and to the Premier League as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if Minamino, you know, starts making some appearances. So he's the FA Cup the next player part of the season. Yeah, maybe FA Cup. Or maybe even in those weeks when Liverpool has like three games in one week, mm-hmm. like this week in particular, you see him play or start against Wait, some. I forgot he he won't League. be
0: able to be in the Champions League because he's played in the Champions League with Salzburg, right? I believe that's mm-hmm. how the transfer rules work. You can't be in the uh, you can't basically be in the same competition as the team you're going to. So they won't have him for the Champions League. But I could definitely see him being a FA Cup player. I'm pretty excited to see him play. Um, I was gonna say that doesn't Liverpool have another? youngster it's like a, a harvey oh Elliott. Yeah, is that his name
1: yeah harvey yeah. elliot mate it's 16 <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that guy is literally seven years younger than me like that's wow. wild like what that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> um who do, uh, who do you mean, is know uh, one year older than me so i don't okay. hear him <laughs>
0: Nice. Um, and that was another youngster there. But, uh, you know, they are playing in the FIFA Club World Cup. So they basically, um, in the Carabao Cup, they basically played, I think their average age was what, a like 23 or something like that? Their average age of their starting 11 um, that they played against Aston Villa. Oh. And they basically got thrashed against Aston Villa. But they had no experienced players there because all their experienced players were obviously in competing in the FIFA Club World Cup. Um, are you... Are you happy that they're trying to go for the Club World Cup um, or are you just like clop, chill out and just not hopefully no one gets injured?
1: I actually prefer Liverpool go for the Club World Cup over the League Cup because mm-hmm. like when you think about it, to get the Club World Cup trophy, all you have to do is win like two games. And that's like a trophy under everyone's belt. While in the like, League Cup, they still have to face Premier League teams. Like they still have to face Aston Villa. They have to beat them. They have to face potentially Manchester City still in the competition. So it was like little things like that. But, you know, in the Club World Cup, all they do is like beat Monterey, which they did. And then they face Flamengo on Saturday, which mm-hmm. honestly, them versus like like say Flamengo versus like an Aston Villa. They're not too different. <laughs> yeah. Like in terms of like just the amount of like the, play- the caliber of players they have. So mm-hmm. and if they beat Flamengo, that's a gold crest on their jersey next year. So that's also a big thing to have. So,
0: yeah, and- it's uh, you know obviously Manchester United won it, Barcelona won it, um, Real Madrid have won it. So a lot of the big clubs have, and when they're in that competition, they're just like they they go for it and they do win it. So yeah. uh, it will be it will be a nice trophy for Liverpool to have because you know you did the hard work of winning the Champions League, so now you get rewarded just by
1: kind of cruising your way into
0: the FIFA Club World Cup,
1: and they haven't won the competition yet, so that'll be another oh, wow. streak where they just haven't won a certain trophy for a long time. So that'll end that streak. I even had a text from one of our listeners, Cho. <laughs> he was like, they're hey. not going to win that. The streak must continue. I'm like, no, it's definitely happening. They're <laughs> facing Flamengo. They're not facing freaking Barcelona. It's like, it's it's happening. So mm-hmm. I'm very confident that Liverpool are going to get a trophy very soon. And that'll be a very nice thing to have on the jersey. Just like that little gold Badge to have right in the center. It's like, it's like, ah.
0: I know who I know. I know someone's that's buying a jersey next season. think yeah. <laughs> they win. It.
1: <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> shout also shout out to Cho for listening. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, obviously Liverpool beat Watford 2-0 over the weekend. But Salah again, a kid. It's like whenever he plays Watford, he just scores bangers. Like this goal he scored with his right foot was amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: And then that last goal, it was kind of cheese.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, where he was just like flicked his foot. I mean, it was Watford. I mean, he was pretty, pretty much expected. However, Watford had like a lot of good chances. Yet they've pretty much skied everything, and that pretty yeah. much
1: speaks to the confidence level of every Watford player right now. Watford did not play like a team that was in dead last. That was a yeah. team that was genuinely worrying me that game. I was like, "Holy crap, we might." Except when they got in front of goal to Watford. Like literally, there was a chance in particular where Decore was right in oh, the center my of the penalty box, and then he missed. I was like, "What?" <laughs> First of all, how would he get there with the ball? And second of all, how would he miss? It was harder to miss. So, oh like, little things like that is why Watford are in dead last. It's not because <laughs> of chances. Clearly, it's because he just can't finish. So, my days. <laughs> yeah, got away with that.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, they did. Um, and then we spent a lot of time, obviously, talking about like these bigger clubs. But kind of going going down the list here. I mean, Tottenham beating Wolves. I felt like Tottenham just got really lucky. Jan Vertonghen just getting a really good header to win the game because Wolves, they had a lot of good chances and Tottenham at one point just looked kind of pinned back, but you got to credit to Jose for getting his team ready. And they basically, you know, scrapped up and got that scrappy win Mm -hmm. something that they failed to do under Pochettino a lot of times in the Premier League. Yeah. There
1: was a lot of draws under Pochettino, but also Mm -hmm. Jose Mourinho did have a very mm, questionable setup in his defense where he put Jan Vertaga in at left back and Jan Vertonghen had to basically mark Adama Traore the entire game. Oh, my and gosh.
0: Traore's a banger.
1: Like, I, yeah, Traore basically sauced Vertongan the entire game, too. <laughs> dude, I forget like how big difference. he is. I forget how <laughs> freaking huge he is. Dude, he's literally built like Ezekiel Elliott. I know. <laughs> he's built back. like an NFL he's, running back. He's huge. And <laughs> he he's not the player he was, like, a few seasons ago. He is, like, half the pace of... <laughs> <laughs> Char away. so i was like poor guy but sure enough retong gets the winning header at the very end from a corner mm-hmm. kick so i'm like wow he made up for everything because like he had an abysmal game but because of that goal he got a team of the week card for fifa of 20 so <laughs> 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 it's like all right he <laughs> I mean, got the game winner but i was like all right what uh, about the other 90 minutes yeah oh
0: my god they have a big challenge this uh this week but quickly going on to chelsea who are team in Free fall right now, um, especially in the Premier League. They lost to Bournemouth at home, 1-0. Shout out to Bournemouth and Eddie Howe, who have been struggling recently, but pull out a miraculous win um, against Chelsea. But uh, is Chelsea regressing? Or are they basically basically falling down back to earth, and they're basically playing up to the, I guess, to the quality that they currently have in the squad. And they were just kind of overperforming in the beginning half of the season.
1: I think it's the latter, what you said, where it's like they were overperforming, doing a lot better than they were supposed to. And, you know, Christian Pulisic, he went on a bit of a tear. He was going like five but, games
0: in a row or something like
1: that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now in the last five games, it's like, all right, there's no goals happening. <laughs> yeah. Like Chelsea are just kind of coming back to earth. Being the team we all expected it kind of would, like come of would be at the beginning of the season where it's like, all right, they're going to struggle because, you know, they didn't have a transfer window. They're playing a lot of youth players. And, you know, it's kind of showing. Yeah, I, I don't think we
0: ever mentioned this, but they got their transfer band lifted. So now they can buy players in the winter transfer window.
1: And that was a very quiet lift, like yeah. in terms of our, what's it called? Yeah, just like a lifting of the band because that was a big deal. But honestly, the January transfer window is very difficult to get yeah. any big names into the team. So maybe that's why they lifted it is like, all right, who are they going to really bring in? Yeah. <laughs> You know, they do have Champions League to really entice some players, but also, can they even get qualified to play for the team? It's like, probably not. And also, if there is a good player, like most of them already in the Champions League at this point, or, you know, trying to help their team in the Europa League, but... It's going to be interesting to see who they bring in because you know Frank Lampard has put so much faith into the team he has now into the youth players he has mm-hmm. and you know brought up like Tammy I, Abraham, Mason Mount. I, I think you know Tamori. Yeah, they're
0: they're like Tamori signed a new contract. Um, but uh, with Giroud, it, it seems like he's probably he might go to Inter, which is going to be funny because it's just a bunch. Inter's basically the all the players that basically got you know sold from the Premier League because um, there's reports <laughs> that he could get sold, but I think they. You know, a lot of people are not talking about the deadwood at Chelsea, but I think there are like a couple of players that just really need to kind of leave Chelsea. And so they can really, really focus on just the youth players they have.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And like there's certain players just off the top of my head, like, you know, Ross Barkley. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep, he's still there. <laughs> that guy and has also- been a
0: total flop. Like I thought he was like he could fulfill like maybe some sort of potential, maybe moving to Chelsea, getting away from Everton. But he's just not the guy. Mm-hmm.
1: and also pedro pedro is a good is a good yeah, player he's a you good know has good leadership but it's just he's a, but there's just so many wingers yeah. on that team it's like and man. he's
0: like um i don't know he uh to me he's i felt like he's just kind of lost a bit of his step like what's made him so good is that he's so unpredictable like he'll just out of randomness he'll just like you know do a quick juke and just shoot but you know mm-hmm. i think william's kind of outperformed him a little bit and then you have Pulisic um you have somebody you have like Hudson Adoy you have some good young wingers that need more playing time than a 31 year old Pedro at this point or 31 year old Willian at this point as well um I think they I think they have some clearing out to do but I wanted to bring up a player obviously he's not in the Premier League was a former City youth player, um, now plays for Dortmund. Jadon Sancho, a lot of talks have been there about um, he has kind of been falling out of Dortmund. Um, He's been, as him as a player, he doesn't feel as loved at Dortmund. It seems like he wants to leave. Um, A lot of clubs obviously are after him, especially in the Premier League, Manchester United. uh, I think Chelsea were linked to him. Liverpool were linked to him. I think City are linked to him now. Um, Is he a player that you think you could see leaving in January because there's been a ton of talk of him potentially living, leaving in January.
1: It'd be really difficult because you also have to look at teams that really need a winger. And there's not really a team in particular, even the Premier League right now. That's like, all right, what they're really missing is a winger. And if there was a team that needs a winger, a lot of teams have wingers, but they're just injured. Like in particular, Manchester City, a team that can afford Sancho, they have Sonny and he's, Oof. in my opinion, better than Sancho. <laughs> yeah, through, I've proven it. But also, like, it kind of goes back to Coutinho's transfer, where it was like Sancho would have to really kind of voice that he wants to leave. Right, like, right now, it's not really out there. Like, you know, Dortmund is a very good team, still in the Champions League. You know, fighting for the Bundesliga title because right now it's just wide open in the Bundesliga. Like Bayern Munich was literally like in six <laughs> when they faced Tottenham in the Champions League. Yeah, so,
0: RB Leipzig are doing pretty good right yeah, now. RB
1: Leipzig in the top right now. And they did just draw against Dortmund in the Bundesliga. So, you know, they're still getting results. Sancho got the got the goals to get them back level. Mm-hmm. So it's like little things like that. It's like, you know, Sancho, he, I, I feel like he should definitely still stay in Dortmund, you know, right out the rest of the season. And it, I think it would be a lot more options in the summer. But right now, it's just there's not that many teams that can just shell out the cost that would be needed to get Sancho. Because Sancho, for sure, would be at least you know Pepe level, eighty million, to, yeah, to Arsenal like seventy five, eighty, maybe even a hundred, because he is a British player and and he's very uh, young. Yeah. So if you if you remember Sterling's transfer from Liverpool to Manchester City back in the days. That was a 50 million, 50 million pound move. And at that time, that was outrageous. It was like, all right, why?
0: Harry Maguire was close to 90. He's more expensive than Van Dyke.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, that that will be a factor as well if he goes back to England. And also, as a former Man City player, he's going to have like those kind of ties. It's like, does he even look at certain teams like United? It's like, probably not. It's like, that's just going to be kind of disrespect to City. But, I mean, Carlos Devin did didn't go. <laughs> so... Honestly, I see him more likely going to a big team. If he were to move in, like say, Spain, like, say, Atletico Madrid, maybe, or uh, or Real Madrid, Barcelona. Probably not Barcelona, because they already have a lot of players there. But... <laughs> AnsuFati.
0: They have a lot mm-hmm. of good young players there, but I don't know. I just that... hope
1: not Bayern Munich. Gosh dang. <laughs> yeah,
0: they, they definitely don't need another young winger, because um, they just have so many right now. But... Um that was just a talk a uh, player that's always just been out in the news lately. But um going back to the Premier League, Leicester finally drawing. Um they drew against Norwich City. Um I think uh not I think but Timo Puki had a a lot of chances and a lot of them basically came Soin Chu, a defender that we really both really like, but in this game probably didn't have his best of games, he was really caught out defensively in his position, um basically had to track back and stop Puki from you know basically Scoring, you know, one v one chances had to use his pace to get back, but a lot of chances were um were created because and she basically pushed up rather than you know staying with his line with Johnny Evans, and that position almost cost Leicester, but they were able to scrape away a draw, um and a decent result for them. But they really, if they want to be challenging Liverpool for a chance, a fighter's chance for a title, they got to beat Norwich City. They can't draw. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank goodness they drew. <laughs> <laughs> As a Liverpool fan, I was like, oh my, thank goodness. And Soyuncu was trying so hard to <laughs> mess up. I was like, "What is this guy doing?" Yeah, it wasn't like one or two chances that he let Pookie in. It was like at least five to six. Yeah. I was like, "What is happening?" Like Soyuncu has been so consistent so far this season, and then all of a sudden this game, he just he was just not ready. He was just you didn't. I guess he didn't sleep or something the night before. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't study. It was like, what was happening? Like Timu Pookie had. A plethora of chances, but it's just you know he's just not in the same form as he was in the first half of the season. Although he has so, he has picked up his form a little bit in the past couple of games. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I think a- he's
0: revived a- his um season. I would say that during that October, uh, early November month, it looked pretty sad for Timo Pukki. It looked like he was just like going to be like a uh, August September type of dude. But it seems like he's
1: um kind of picked up his form a little bit. But uh, um, but Norwich is not really helping him out yeah. though It's literally. <laughs> Half of the team's goals, the entire team's goals, are from him. Yeah, <laughs> so he definitely needs some help. Oh yeah, um,
0: and then West Ham uh, picking up a win against Southampton at St Mary's, probably saving Manuel Pellegrini's job for about a week, I would say, week and a half. But a huge result for him. Halaire got the goal. Uh, you know, a, a guy that you know that needs to start scoring more because they invested a lot of money into him. Um, Pellegrini will hope so, but Hasan is his time running out at Southampton?
1: We never really talk about that. I yeah. always wondered. It's like, man, everyone else is on the hot seat. But we never but talk about hot seat. This guy lost 9-0. I know. He literally lost nine zero. He's like, um, we're not going <laughs> to. <laughs> like, that was the guy behind the team that it happened to. It like, And they're, they were in the relegation zone for so long. So, you know, is he on the hot seat? And, you know, he has gotten the results. Like, every once in a while, like, he got two two wins in a row somewhat recently, and then that kind of lifted him up out of the relegation zone. But even still, they're still fighting against that for now and probably the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you look at the team, it's not the best team. You know, Danny yeah. Ings has been carving him out. He's some, been good. Mm-hmm, he's been getting goals somewhat consistently, like Jamie Vardy-level consistent. Yeah. But and, I think,
0: like, there, there's a lot of players on that squad that you would hope – Take the next step of being more consistent. Like I look at Nathan Redmond, how many times every season we're like, okay, this guy, he's going to turn the corner. He's going to be more consistent. He's going to be a decent player, but Nathan Redman has got to be the most inconsistent of (laughs) inconsistent players out there. Cause like there's days where it looks like, okay, he could be turning the corner, but most of the time he's just kind of meh, I would say.
1: I remember when he was on Norwich and he was yeah. like, all right, this
0: guy. Yeah, I was like, this dude could be pretty. And I was like, when South had him, I was like, man, this guy's going to turn into like maybe the next Monet, And like, mm-hmm. he's not turned into anything
1: close to that. He's not. Cl- he's literally Aaron Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's literally a good comparison right there. Except this one has Redmond has a bit of a shot on him. Like, <laughs> yeah, he rip some, but it's just not on target. But the player that has been kind of rising up to the occasion on Southampton that I didn't want to highlight is James Ward-Prowse. The mini David Beckham, as I like to call him, because that's, that was his inspiration for his free kicks mm-hmm. and why he, he's so good at them. And if Danny Ings is not scoring the goals, it so far has been James Ward-Prowse and yep. James Ward-Prowse has been a player who usually doesn't play too far advanced in terms of, you know, going forward, but you know, he's got a few tap-ins in the recent games. So, that's, that's something very interesting to see because that's more of a development in him. It's like, all right, now he's kind of changing as a player where in, before in the previous few seasons, literally he's just a, a center mid. He plays kind of deep and then he's just like, you know, scores the occasional freaking and that's it. But mm-hmm. he's one of the players that's kind of stepping up. While the rest of the team, like Javier and Valerie, <sighs> yeah. it's like we're not really any other players are notable. It's like, it's not a very interesting Southampton team anymore. When back in the days, it was like literally just a few seasons ago, you would be like, "Oh, that player is definitely going to a bigger club." That yeah, player is definitely Yeah,
0: Alana to- Mane, Van Dijk, um, Lambert. <laughs> I mean, he was he was doing good for them for a little he bit. He was doing
1: good. Was but good obviously, but, when he and- moved,
0: it wasn't the same. But he was doing good for him. Um, but. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. At one point, Southampton were the—they basically the Leicester city of the Premier League. They had all this great talent that was performing well. And basically, every Cub just like came in and vultured and just got everything they wanted. And then now Southampton are just struggling to stay in the Premier League. But mm-hmm. Hazen Hudo, for me, is on the hot seat. He needs to start picking up some results fast um, and basically save his job so he can get a January transfer window to bring some players in. Um, And then Sheffield United continuing to blow people away, beating Aston Villa 2-0. Burnley bouncing back, beating Newcastle 1-0. In the Crystal Palace, I wanted to point out Zaha's goal because that was really good. Um, Do you see Zaha? I know we always bring this up. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I think Zaha is, at this point, probably going to stay at Crystal Palace for the rest of his career, I would say.
1: Ooh, that was a very... I'll for for, it for, it for, me, for me right
0: now, because every year it seems like he wants to move, but he just doesn't move. And it seems like he always gives his all for, you know, Crystal Palace. It could be that's just the type of player and type of attitude he has, which is good. But it seems like he's always missing his chance to move to a better, like a bigger club, I would say.
1: I think he doesn't really have a choice.
0: <laughs> it kind of goes back to an argument
1: <laughs> I made in the beginning of the season where certain players like Declan Rice, Zaha, they're just... In the Premier League, and the inflation for these players are just so high. It's like, is Zaha really worth eighty million? Is Declan Rice really worth twenty million? Right no. now, you know, based because Zaha had such a poor run at Manchester United, he's is very questionable whether he's gonna, you know, perform like he is. Is are we gonna get Crystal Palace Zaha or are we gonna get Manchester United Zaha? And more likely, we would get you know Crystal Palace Zaha, but you know crystal palace is built around him basically like that's mm-hmm. that's why he's able to do so well but you know when he goes to a new team even when he's playing for the national team for you know Ireland coast it's like he's not really the same kind of player so mm-hmm. i feel like for his benefit he should stay at crystal palace cuz everyone at crystal palace loves him when he plays for crystal palace he's amazing of a player and you know if he stays you know he will have to carry the team it, there's always the concern that they may get relegated, but when he's on the team, they have a chance. And as long as they yeah. stay in the Premier League, I feel like that's a pretty solid ride. Yeah. He's a big I would I, definitely would, I would.
0: I would say that if they do get relegated, I could see Zaha finally moving out of Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, I mean, I don't see any reason why he needs to leave because he just, as you said, fans love him. He performs well. And you know i don't see a team wanting to spend more than i know this sounds bad but i don't see a team wanting to spend like if you're a big club i wouldn't see a team wanting to spend more than 30 million on zaha i think once you get past 30 million i think it's just like do we really need to look for him maybe we could look for somebody a bit younger mm-hmm. uh, maybe look at our own academy someone a bit younger out of out of england you know that could like a jaden sancho if you're paying 80 million for zaha why don't you just buy carve up the extra 20 and get you know Jaden Sancho, you know?
1: Yeah, cuz um, uh, is past that like stage of his life where he's like, "Alright, can you develop to be in, any more of a player?" Yeah, he's basically this is what you're going to get when you get him. we player. He's in his prime now. He's not Jamie yeah. Vardy, he's not going <laughs> to found a <league laughs> kind of situation. I think this is the best you're going to get, so.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, that uh, that rounds up the the past week of of Premier League. So a lot of lot of news um mm-hmm. concerning the Premier League, but going into the uh this weekend, we got some Juicy matchups, probably like one of the best weekends of the Premier League, I would say, since opening weekend. Some great matchups here. Um, Everton-Arsenal, I thought this one was going to be a lot more interesting because we could see um, Mikel Arteta and Carlo Ancelotti taking charge of their of their new clubs. However, Duncan Ferguson will be the interim manager for Everton for this one. I would assume uh, Mikel Arteta is going to be announced Um, On Friday, we're recording this on Thursday. And if he is, he'll probably manage the squad. However, this game is at Goodison Park. Um, Duncan Ferguson still can get the fans riled up and get them rowdy. I think because of that, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Because um, I think Arsenal will finally get that new manager bounce once Arteta is announced. However, the atmosphere in Goodison and the way they play will be a little too much for Arsenal. So I think it will finish 1-1.
1: Oh, I also say 1 1 as well because it's just both teams are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know Duncan Ferguson, you know, he's gotten the team a little riled up and he did get a draw ultimately against Leicester this past week. But, you know, and then lost some penalties, of course. But, you know, he's able to get the results against big teams. And honestly, Arsenal is not a team that's a big team right now, they're, they're struggling <laughs> a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if Everton managed to get a win. But at the same time, if Arteta is announced tomorrow, that will boost the team and it will force certain players to really start to show up. It's like, all right, I got to really show up for my new boss now. Because when you watch Arteta during the Manchester City versus Arsenal game, he was like just stone-faced, cold, like, oh my. Yeah, he's got a big project ahead of him. He's like, do I really want to do this? It was like... (laughs) (laughs) He was literally like Marco Silva's during last game. I, <laughs> he like, ah, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> kind of rough, but I think it will also be a 1-1, kind of roundabout way of long-wind, long-winded way of getting to 1-1. <laughs> and then we
0: got not even I, – I guess you could say this is the biggest game of the weekend, but there is another matchup that's also very, very tantalizing. But this one um, that's going to be happening on Saturday, Manchester City hosting Leicester City. Um Second place versus third place, um, a big game in the Premier League. Um, this game was at the Etihad after the display Kevin De Bruyne put against Arsenal. Um, I I couldn't I I can't bet away from Manchester City. I think it will be a very open, fun game to watch. However, I think the quality of City will take over, and I'm I'm gonna go for a three three one win for Manchester City
1: over Leicester. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I agree with the amount of goals that will be scored this game, but I think it's actually gonna be a two two draw because oh. Leicester, although Saranchi did have a bit of a poor game last game, I think Leicester do have what it takes to really get the results against, you know, a struggling Manchester City side who recently have been struggling, but you know, against Arsenal who have been struggling worse than them, you know, it makes them look amazing. But you know, Leicester, meanwhile, are on the opposite end of the spectrum where they have been doing well. You know, they I, recently beat that rejuvenated, somewhat rejuvenated Everton side. So I think they could get a result at the Etihad because Etihad is not as much of a fortress as like, you know, a Anfield or Old Trafford. I, I would
0: I would say this, though. I would say that since Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola got defeated by um, Solskjaer against Manchester United, it just seems like when you get an angry Pep... I feel like that's when he's most dangerous. When Pep is angry and will basically coach his players to dominate the opponent, basically from for the 90 minutes, I think he's just a scary manager uh, to deal with because he, he knows how to manage these players and get the most out of them offensively. And that's what scares me the most um, for this game if I was a Leicester City fan.
1: That's true. But at the same time, when you're Brandon Rogers looking at that back line is like, oh yeah you see back there you see you see fernandinho playing center back we have a chance and i think that's what will get the two two. Mm-hmm. ultimately that back line that poor back line that city has right now that's what's going to lead to a draw okay yeah and i hope that that's the best result for a liverpool fan mm-hmm. because both teams drop points yeah
0: um I'm pretty excited for this matchup. I think it'll be a really good one. But if that isn't good enough for you, those first two ones, then on Sunday you have Tottenham um, hosting Chelsea. A huge, huge matchup here. Um, I got my notes confused up a little bit, but obviously the last time Jose Mourinho faced Chelsea, that whole Marco Lani, Sarri's assistant coach incident happened. Um, And basically Jose Mourinho almost got in a fist fight in the dugout. But obviously this game will be, Um, Tottenham will be hosting it. But facing against his former player, Frank Lampard, a player he loved when he was at Chelsea, this one will be fun. Chelsea are kind of on a free fall right now. Jose Mourinho is picking up results. Um, I think we all know how how this game is going to go. Jose is going to get his side set up to defend, hit hit them on the counterattack, and basically win the game from there and set up shop. I don't think Chelsea's mature enough yet, and I don't think Frank Lampard is mature enough yet to handle a tactician such as Jose Mourinho and maybe handle the experience that Tottenham will throw at them. And that's why I would say Tottenham will get a I would say 2 0 win actually. They will get a 2 0 win against Chelsea.
1: I I agree with the score or not the score but the result. I think Tottenham will win, but I think it'll be a 1 0 because you know Wolves did put up a pretty mm-hmm. good fight and you know it was very scrappy 2 1 Ultimately, but you know, Chelsea are not in the best run of form right now, but I think certain big games like this, that's what will pick a team up. That's what will motivate the players to be like, all right, this is a time to really, you know, bounce back. And against a, you know, another London team, I think this will be mm-hmm. a big test for them. So I think this is a chance for them to really bounce back, but I still don't think they're going to get a result like Youngmin Son, Deli Ali. Lucas Moura Kane, like that 4 they're just so rejuvenated now themselves under Jose Mourinho it's Mm -hmm. like all right this is season one Jose with these kind of players I think they'll get the results and you know ultimately being at their new stadium which has not really benefited (laughs) them (laughs) they've actually not performed as well at home as they are away ironically enough but I think there's enough factors to really show that you know with the struggling Chelsea team and you know kind of rebuilding, not rebuilding, but like rebuilding the confidence in this Tottenham side. I think it's mm-hmm. gonna be a one0 very kind of scrap. Yeah, and I think
0: um, it will continue that if they don't, if Chelsea doesn't pick up result here, uh, Frank Lampard will yet to beat a. We'll still have to wait to beat a top six opponent in the Premier League, the so-called, you know, quote unquote, top six. Um, and that's something Solskjaer has been able to do, but he's been struggling against a lower league opposition. However, Chelsea, in the beginning half of the season, were beating all the teams they should be beating, but they couldn't beat the big boys. But um, th- this game will be interesting to watch because I think Jose Mourinho will come out on top and so does Tyler But that kind of does it for us for episode 55. Um, I know it was a very long episode, an hour. It's not stretching an hour and 10 minutes, but very fun one to record because there was just so much news happening with the new hires and the, you know, Mm -hmm. squad revamps that these clubs need. But we want to thank everyone for listening. Um, Please make sure to give us a uh, – please make sure to subscribe. uh, Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, We want to hear your feedback. but. That kind of does it for us for episode 55. Thank you guys so much. Peace. Peace.